Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And hey, flying solo for this episode, this loaded episode, I should say, of that SEC podcast. Cousin Shane, wouldn't you know it, on vacation. I think it's vacation number six. And we're not even to mid-April yet, but uh, I couldn't go a day without giving you guys his show. I mean, we just had two spring games. Happy Easter to everybody that celebrates. I was on the road for some of that. So, unfortunately, I did miss the Vanderbilt spring game. Have it recorded. Going to cover that on the next episode. But we got scrimmage, news and notes from all across the SEC. Going to do a, a little dive here on Auburn's spring game. And something I hit on on the last episode, the recruiting budgets. I'm going to be able to hit on all... 15, well, should be 16, but 15 SEC programs. So let's start right there. I always like to hit on every team if I can. And I want to shout out one of our followers on YouTube. Great plug. If you're not already, follow us on, subscribe to the channel, view us on YouTube. I respond to all the comments that I can. We also got a Facebook now. I keep forgetting to plug that. Check us out, that SEC podcast, Twitter, Instagram, all that. You already know. But shout out. If you missed it, on the last episode, we talked recruiting budgets because that information had come out, what teams are spending on the recruiting trail. And now this is just their budgets for last season is what we talked about. And shout out YouTube subscriber Jesse Sewell. Hope I'm pronouncing that right, Jesse. Here's his comment from YouTube. It would have been great to compare the spending on the recruiting trail with the results. So, for example, Georgia is getting a solid return on a huge investment. Georgia last year spent more than anybody on the recruiting trail. If you compare South Carolina and where they are now as a top 10 class, then South Carolina is knocking it out of the park in terms of results versus cost. That's the the end of Jesse's comment there. And what he's referring to is South Carolina currently in the top 10 in the recruiting. So we don't have the budgets yet for this current cycle because obviously it's not done. So what I've gone and done, credit Jesse for this great idea. I've gone back and looked at the last four recruiting cycles, what the team spent, how they ended up on the recruiting trail. And I'm basing this off of the 24-7 sports composite team rankings so again if you missed it on the last episode everybody's recruiting budget has been revealed what they spent on the recruiting trail the only team not included here is Vanderbilt because they're a private institution they don't have to reveal this information but the rest of the SEC and I'm including Texas and Oklahoma in this because hey they're on their way so I wanted to know what are they spending what are they getting from it again I did that and I collected this for the last four recruiting cycles that are in the books, because those are the four classes that we have the recruiting budgets for. So you got to wrap all that knowledge together. I hope that makes sense. But uh, I'm going to throw this at you. Hopefully not too many numbers here. And interestingly, who's getting the most bang for their buck, so to speak, in this terms? LSU. I thought that was pretty interesting. According to the data here, LSU ranked number eight in the SEC in terms of money spent. Again, this is just in the SEC, not nationally, but eighth in the SEC LSU spent. 
average class ranking the, the last four years is fourth in the SEC. So when you finish fourth, you're spending eighth in terms of average dollar spent. LSU, I'm giving them a plus four. Hopefully that that math works out. Eight minus four is four. Another one that uh, no surprise to me, Mississippi State, second best in the way I'm kind of doing this because they spent they're dead last. Mississippi State spends the least amount on the recruiting trail. They were fifth, number 15 all four years that I look back at the data, yet they at their average class in the SEC is number 12 and a half. So if you see my logic there, 15th in spending, 12 and a half in recruiting. They're, that's a plus two and a half right there in terms of bang for their buck on the recruiting trail. Shouldn't be much of a surprise. Mississippi State always underrated. And they just continue to be competitive in the toughest division in all of college football. How about Alabama? This one surprised me here. Average money spent on the recruiting trail, 3.5 in the SEC. So there are teams that are out spending Alabama when it comes to recruiting budget, yet nobody has recruited better than the Crimson Tide. And again, I'm just looking at the last four years. Average money spent on the trail, 3.5 Alabama's ranking in the SEC, but their recruiting class ranking 1.5. So a hair away from the best overall recruiting in the SEC. That's a plus two I'm giving Alabama. And interestingly, same grade for Auburn. That surprised me. But again, <laughs> that's not to say Auburn is recruiting deer as well as Alabama. But what again, what this is measuring, money spent on the trail, just over 10th is what Auburn averages in the SEC. 10th, it's actually 10.75. So nearly the 11th recruiting budget in the SEC. Their results, 8.75. So close to the ninth class. That it, That's not going to get you any awards. That's why we've had coaches fired and we got Hugh Freeze in there who's dedicated to turning that thing around. But they're getting banged for their buck if they continue to throw money at that on the recruiting trail, they got to increase that budget. Hugh Freeze and company, you know, is going to bring in the, re the recruits. At least in terms of money spent on the recruiting, recruiting trail, Auburn doing a good job there. How about this one, Oklahoma? If you, again, I, I realize it's a little weird throwing them in here because they've been in the Big 12. But if you want to average how much they're spending on recruiting compared to SEC teams, they would be ranked 6.5 in the SEC, so dead in the middle, and their class ranking, average number 5.75 in the SEC, so that's pretty interesting, I didn't realize Oklahoma was working with that type of talent, now they were ravaged by the uh, by the transfer portal after old Lincoln Riley left, Brett Venables did a really good job on the recruiting trip, I believe they had a number of five, top five recruiting class in the country last season, and right there with them, Texas. They would average the number five recruiting budget in the SEC. They would have averaged the number 4.5 class in the SEC. So still on the plus side, but just barely. Really, the teams in the middle here, we're splitting hairs here in terms of how well they're doing. Florida, this one surprised me as well. Their recruiting budget the last four years, 7.75. Their class ranking in the SEC, 7.5. So, 
again, basically what they're spending, they're getting out of it. And the fact that Billy Napier has got them spending top dollar, putting so much resources to recruiting, if they get into a top three recruiting budget, there's reason to believe with a coach more dedicated to recruiting, there's no reason Florida shouldn't be a top three recruiter if they put the resources behind it. At least that's what the data shows the last four years, which I find pretty interesting. And how about South Carolina? Last one here to not be negative. South Carolina, money spent in the SEC last four recruiting cycles. 11.5 would be their ranking in the SEC. That's the exact same as their recruiting class. 11.5 in the SEC. So, If I'm Shane Beamer, I'm looking at this data and I'm going to my bosses and saying, hey, if we increase this budget, history says we will increase our results on the recruiting trail, new facilities down there, some of the best in college football. You know, money doesn't solve everything by any means. And this is a small sample size, but I thought that was pretty interesting. Georgia, this was stunning to me. They're actually on the the minus side. And that's not to critique anything Georgia's doing because, hell, uh, clearly they are the program, not only the best in the SEC, but best in the country. But they are spending a little bit more than they're getting back. Their money, they were, they've been number one in budget all four years aside from one. And the year they weren't, they were number two. So their average money spent on the recruiting trail, 1.25 in the SEC the last four years. Class ranking average, 2.25. So... Again, splitting hairs here. This is not to critique Georgia in any way. Uh, clearly, what they're doing, just keep doing it, and you, you're going to be the dynasty of all dynasties in the SEC. But I just thought it was interesting that uh, they come out a little bit minus on this grading scale. Kentucky's another one. Comes out slightly minus here. Kentucky and Missouri, both minus 0.25. Kentucky money spent on the recruiting trail, 11 Class ranking, 11.5. It's identical to Missouri, basically. What's Missouri's money spent on the recruiting trail? 12.25. What's their class ranking? 12.5. So Kentucky and Missouri, two more. You're getting essentially what you're putting into it. I thought that was pretty interesting. Texas A&M and Ole Miss have the same grade on this scale, minus 0.5. So you're getting your bang for your buck, essentially. A&M money spent on the recruiting trail. Their average, 3.75. Class ranking, 4.25. So, top four. I mean, who cares what you're spending if you're the Aggies? You're getting a top four class in the SEC on average. That should be good enough to compete with anybody in the country. Get you SEC championship contention, college football playoff contention, and Ole Miss little different story because they're not spending as much as A&M, but they're at average money spent on the recruiting trail, ranking 11.75, class ranking 12.25. So they're getting what they're putting into it. And then we got two outliers on the negative side. And yet another reason why I call these two brothers from another mother, Tennessee, average money spent on the recruiting trail, fourth most in the SEC Average class ranking, 8.25. So minus 4.25 is what I gave the Vols there. And then Arkansas, dead last in the SEC. Average money spent on the recruiting trail, 7.5 is what they'd rank in the SEC. 
Average class result, 12.5. So minus five for the Arkansas Razorbacks. And a big reason why old Chad Morse had to get the hell out of here. <laughs> but I hope that wasn't too many numbers. I saved that because uh, Cousin Shane, not on the show. But basically, getting all these numbers out of the way. LSU, Mississippi State, Alabama, Auburn. You're getting a lot for your money. Tennessee, Arkansas, you have not spent your money wisely. And basically everybody else, moral of the story is you get in recruiting what you put into it. And I realize there's variables. It's much easier to recruit to Athens, Georgia, than it is Columbia, Missouri. And the the reason being, well, obviously Georgia's the team to beat in the country right now. Uh, They're sending players to the NFL like it's nobody's business, but also because they're in a talent-rich state. And it doesn't always have to be a talent-rich state. You know, some people look at Knoxville, Tennessee as, you know, there's not a ton of elite prospects in the state, even though that is changing more and more every year. But much closer to Atlanta, Knoxville is, than Memphis. Close to Charlotte. I mean, there's hubs around Tennessee. There's no reason you can't bring in good talent. Same deal. Auburn's probably the best example. So close to so many elite prospects in the state of Georgia. They have to go into Georgia to build a championship roster. Alabama's done it. Alabama reaches into Florida. On and on and on. There's plenty and plenty of examples here. But just one little factor I thought I would discuss how much these teams are spending, and what they're getting on the recruiting trail. But all right, hey, we had our first spring game that was actually televised that people could watch here, and it was on the Plains on Saturday. Key takeaways from me, I mean, Robbie Ashford is quarterback one. And he may not even be that by the time fall rolls around, but in my eyes, it's not even close. And I I realized people were coming at me because I threw out the stats. Here's the passing stats. I mean, I presented this without – Any commentary, Auburn quarterbacks were 5 of 12 passing, 60 yards, got sacked twice, and I realized it was raining. I get all that, but Holden Grenier, 3 of 5, 17 yards. T.J. Finley, 1 of 4, 4 yards. He had a couple drops, no doubt. Robbie Ashford, 1 of 3, 39 yards. But he's a threat to run it. (laughs) He had 38 yards rushing. I mean, this was... Not a great event to watch. I mean, I'm not going to lie. But clearly, weather did impact it. So I'm I'm not sitting here saying these quarterbacks are awful, but you're just not going to win games playing this way with these quarterbacks. Uh, Now, maybe Robbie Ashford can take that next step, but I mean, he's a great runner, but that's about all I can say for him based on what we saw Saturday, what we've seen from him previously. And a big part of that, I don't think Auburn's got the receivers either. I mean, the receivers looked incredibly slow in my mind. Maybe that's holding these quarterbacks back as well. Not a lot of game breakers, which is certainly something that has plagued Auburn. Uh, At least I'm just talking about the receiver position. That's still an issue. Hugh Freeze says they want eight receivers. I mean, eight Maybe he wants eight more is what he's saying. I don't know, but uh, I don't think they've got many playmakers at the SEC level at the receivers. That's the bad. What's the good? The offensive line seems to be significantly better than what it was last season. You brought in a bunch of transfers. Those guys seem to be doing well. 
51 rushes in this game for 280 yards on the ground. That's five and a half yards per carry. And that's against a defense that knows basically that that's the game plan. They're going to run right at you. And defense had some tackles for loss. It's, it's not like the defense was horrible, but certainly the offensive line won the line of scrimmage in this game. Defense did have three consecutive stops after the opening drive, which Robbie Ashford led. It was a touchdown drive. Robbie Ashford on a run looked pretty good doing it. Uh, I thought the running backs also looked really good for Auburn, and that's considering Tank Bigsby off to the NFL. You wouldn't think the running back room would get better. It may be better. Jarquez Hunter barely played in this game. I think he had four rushes for 27 yards. So, I mean, he looked solid. 13-yard rush was his longest of the day, nearly seven yards per carry. But number 44, Sean Jackson, zero carries last season. He led the way 77 yards on the ground. I thought he looked great. Brian Beatty, the transfer from South Florida, he looked really good too. Seven carries, 35 yards. I believe he caught a pass as well. He did, yeah, he caught one pass. He looks like a little scatterbug back there. Nice compliment to Jarquez Hunter. The freshman linebacker, Robert Woodyard, redshirt freshman, he looked great. Looked like he's coming along. That was a guy they beat out Alabama for, former Alabama commitment. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and, of course, uh, you know, the game tying. <laughs> it That's how you know it's a spring game. It, it ended in a tie, 24-all, and it happened with a field goal as time expired. Everybody got to stake according to Hugh Freeze. But it was interesting, I thought. There was a time they had Hugh Freeze mic'd up and T.J. Finley was in the game. And he wasn't being overly critical, but, I mean, he was calling T.J. Finley out for a bad read. Uh, he threw it in a triple coverage when he had a guy wide open on the sidelines on the same side of the field. I mean, that's a that's a play you can't miss. Uh, he, he mentioned that T.J. Finley – was not staying in the pocket. He looked anxious. No reason to leave the pocket. He said he should have stood in there, made the throw. So these are not comments you make about a guy that you're particularly thrilled about, I don't think. Uh, Robbie Ashford was named offensive MVP. DJ James, defensive MVP. And the hero, the kicker, Alec McPherson, won special teams player of the year. Again, not a ton to read into this spring game. It rained. It was a complete running clock. They essentially just played three quarters. And again, 51 runs. It was basically just a running drill is what this spring game essentially was. After a couple drop passes, it, they kind of gave up on the passing attack. But that was my kind of overall thoughts on it. And, of course, Hugh Freeze, after the game, was shared his thoughts on the development of the quarterbacks. And just, you know, listen to what he says here. Clearly, it seems like he... Believes the same. Robbie Ashford's our QB1, and we've got to get him ready to play. That's kind of what I took from these comments. Coach, uh, the quarterback position, Robbie looked like this was the atmosphere that he could really capitalize in. You talk about competing in this league. Do you feel good at that quarterback spot with what you have on the field? I feel better uh, than I did 15 practices ago. Um, I still think there's a – I really think from this point now until uh, the end of fall camp – there's so much that that needs to happen for somebody to solidify being the guy. And um, I think all have improved. I think all are still inconsistent with some things. We really had every indication. In, man, we were really wanting to, to throw that ball around today. <laughs> 
and it just you know it would have been really ugly and probably a lot of three and outs had we had we tried to do that and um but um you know i think robbie got better and he's really been fun to coach and i think he's trying to change some of the things that that may have caused at least me concern about him being the quarterback leader uh, whether it be body language or ball security or uh, your just your demeanor in general the way you talk the way you talk to your teammates and I don't know that anybody's ever really challenged him like I did this spring with that and I thought all three of them responded to our challenges and just were like coach just please coach me and um, and so I think you saw today I mean he's got the capability of making some plays and Thought he threw a really good seam ball in those conditions. Um, can't remember if we threw it anymore with him, but um, you know, I thought uh, Holden threw some good balls for, and and he missed a couple of reads on on some RPOs, I think, and and TJ did too. But it's kind of been that way all spring. Some really positives one day, and then some inconsistencies the next day, and we still got some time to to help him improve, hopefully. Now, that being said, he was asked, you know, portal's coming open here in a couple days. Will you be looking for a quarterback? I love this answer that he gave here as well. Is your quarterback room set, or might you bring in another player? Yeah, I think um, the the transfer portal opens soon, and we are uh, open to any position that would help us improve our team as long as they fit within the culture. And that includes the quarterback room. I, I don't, you know, I know people make a big deal out of that. And, but the bottom line is you're constantly, I think competition is, is, is helpful and those that handle it right. And those that don't, they're probably not going to be the winners for you anyway. And so you know, we're open. Do I think we can win some games with what we have? Yes, I do. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't I don't want to ever be put in a box where I uh, where I say something and then it and I do the opposite. So I don't know the answer. I don't know if we are. I know that I would be open to it. In this game, um, what do you need out of a quarterback in the SEC to win the well, I, I think you got to have somebody that can make the throws in tight coverage, you know, and you got to have receivers that can get open in them too. And I think we, you know, we're we're looking for some of that in consistency in both spots. Um, there's going to be some games you just can't; they're going to stop the run, and you're going to have to make some throws to win the game. And we're not proven in the room that we have that any of those have done that. I'm not saying they can't, and I'm certainly not down on them. Um, I, I think we can win games with these guys, but should a guy that that come available that is uh, a dynamic guy that we think is already a proven commodity at doing that, you know, I think we would have to at least look at that. I mean, of course, he's not going to throw any of his quarterbacks under the bus, but at the same time, and I believe, exact, you know, one hundred percent what he's saying here: if a quarterback is threatened by you adding another quarterback, well, they're not going to win you anything anyway. And look no further than Stetson Bennett, who seemingly every year Kirby tried to upgrade from Stetson Bennett, and now he's a legend in Athens. You can say the same thing, Hennon Hooker. I mean, they brought in Joe Milton to win the job. Josh Heupel did. That was one of the first things he did when he had Hennon Hooker already on the roster, but Hennon Hooker didn't leave. So, I mean, there's many more examples. Jackson Dart 
could be another one. We could use that example in a year from now if he has a big season here for the Ole Miss Rebels. But if you run from the competition, you're probably not worth much of a quarterback. And certainly based on these comments, Auburn is going to be in the market to add a quarterback as well as many other positions if they can get him. Now, last thing here, I, I just thought this was kind of important, but uh, hitting, again, with the theme of the spring game, running game was tremendous. What does that mean for uh, front seven of the defense? Not as good, but uh, Hugh Freeze definitely happy with his team's ability to run the ball. Coach, uh, what did you guys get better at the most during the spring, and what would you like to get better at in preseason before you play the game? Well, I think, you know, from today, I think you'd say – Overall, I thought I think we 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 we're running the ball fairly well, and getting the dirty yards from our backs, our quarterbacks helping in the run game. So I'd have to say, you know, I think we improved that O line some, and um, and they look pretty decent today. I think after today, what's on my mind is we got to stop the run. You can't win in this league if you can't stop the run, and um, we didn't stop it very well today on some drives. So. I would say that's that's the two things that are on my mind, both good and bad right now. All right, so like I said, we'll get to Vandy's spring game, but I did not get a chance traveling with the holiday and everything like that. Do that on the next episode. But we do got more. I thought this was pretty hilarious. We've already played these Kirby Smart clips, but Josh Heupel, I thought he had a little bit of a response. I may be reading too much into this, but if you ask a Tennessee person – Kirby's calling out Josh Heupel. If if you ask a Georgia person, they don't have the time of day for him. This is all Dylan Riola, Southern Cal conversation. You be the judge. Kirby Smart, Josh Heupel comments. One day after the other, Kirby's comments came first, then Josh Heupel's like a day later. So we're going to play just these back-to-back, and you be the judge. Demeanor. Demeanor and communication. So, like, I can, I can get the stats, but it, it's like – a true quarterback is a decision maker. In our system, because some systems take all the pressure off the quarterback and they just go really fast, we don't do that. We're a quarterback-driven offense. So can you process the information? That means get the signal, get people lined up, then see what the defense is in and figure out are we in the right situation? Which of these three choices Coach Bobo's given me am I going to utilize on this play? And then the play happens – and there might be a mistake or a breakdown, and you not go full metal jacket and have catastrophe mode and put us in a bad situation. So, you know, decision-making is the number one thing I want to see at the quarterback position. Can you make consecutive decisions over and over that don't cost our team games? Our guys control everything. I don't think there's anybody in America that puts more on their quarterbacks. Uh, run run checks, run pass checks, loaded boxes, alerts, kills. Um, they got to do it all. And um, so he's highly instrumental in the efficiency and effectiveness of it. I choose to believe this is a shot because it's good for me and it's good for the SEC. Maybe it's not. Again, maybe reading too much into this, but this is what we got to live for in the offseason. So we're going to hype it up. And speaking of them dogs, they had their second scrimmage of spring here over the weekend. Kirby Smart recaps his thoughts on the scrimmage. Sounds like uh, not exactly what he wanted to see all around from his team, but uh, maybe that was kind of the design because they're trying to get this quarterback competition settled. Let's kick it over to Kirby. Kirby, just what were your general takeaways from the scrimmage on Thursday and just what sort of stood out, offense and defense? 
Um, we had uh, more mistakes than I would have liked on both sides of the ball, but um, offensively, administratively, we had uh, a lot of false start penalties, uh, alignment issues, two people moving. Um, you know, the, the 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 one of the youngest spots on our team outside of outside linebacker is probably wide out when you include two portal arrivees. I don't know how many mid-year receivers we got. What do we have, three or four? Three mid-year receivers, two portals, that's five. So five people basically trying to learn a new language. And it is a new language because they didn't speak that language uh, prior to coming here. So th that's a little bit of the frustration there. Um, probably you know, didn't attempt to run the ball, but – we didn't run the ball as well as we did first scrimmage. Why? Maybe a little intentional because we want to evaluate the quarterbacks and we want to throw the ball more with them. Um, but all around, it was not as good a scrimmage as the first scrimmage, which was probably disappointing. And, and, and you know, when you change schedules, sometimes, you know, young kids don't adjust to that well. Kirby, uh, using uh... – Regarding the quarterbacks, using your word, how how have they done as far as boneheadedness? Less boneheadedness today uh, than previous. Um, I, I don't think the second scrimmage was, you know, there were, there were moments where it was like, okay, at this point, concede the down, live for another down. If that happens to be third down, that's okay. You can punt, you can kick a field goal, you can go forward on fourth, but you can if you have boneheadedness. And they they seem to uh, grasp that better, um, but they they all need to play. They all need to play football. Go out and play football. Not have a drill. Not routes on air. Not seven on seven. They need to play. And that's what we're trying to do in our practices: is make sure we get enough playing. Playing is third down. There's no greater pressure on a quarterback than third down. I mean, first and second down, play action and handoff. Eh. Not a lot there. It's either there or it's not. Third down, you know, that's where you make the separation. And, and we're trying to put those guys in that situation so we can improve them. Less boneheadedness is not a term that I have ever heard before, but I kind of like it. <laughs> if that's what we're getting from uh, the Georgia quarterbacks, and that is something that uh, if anybody heard Carson Beck the other day, he was kind of echoing similar sentiments that uh, that, that has been a – aspect of his game that has grown since he arrived in Athens so maybe this is Kirby paying attention to the growth of the quarterback many perceive as the front runner to be the next starting quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs but again I don't anticipate that decision coming anytime soon well Tennessee also held a scrimmage their second scrimmage of spring here late last week we recapped the first one and all the information we were hearing the defensive front seven dominated the offense. Sounds like the offense kind of swung back the other way the second time around. Hypo pretty pleased with the offensive line, the running game, and offensive tackle, arguably the biggest question mark for this team heading into uh, year three under Josh Hypo. Sounds like he is very pleased with the overall depth and the competition they've got at that offensive tackle spot after bringing in a couple transfers to compete. Where do you feel like you are at offensive tackle? You've got some experience there. Some hey, go, Mike. Big fan. Yeah. Um, great competition up front. And uh, uh, guys that are continuing to compete. Um, we're deeper in that room. Um, so much deeper than we were when we first got here in, in last year, too. So uh, there's really good competition. And uh, that drives all of us to be better. Um, 
you know, each of them have a little bit different skill set, but at the end of the day, I feel like all of them can be really efficient and effective in the run game and uh, have done a nice job in pass protection throughout the course of spring ball. And then the guy, we're just going to keep hyping him up. <laughs> Can't wait to see what he's made of here on the orange-white game come on Saturday. But uh, the five-star freshman, Nico, his continued development and growth in the offense. Let's kick it over to Josh Heupel on their star freshman quarterback. How much do you feel Nico's understanding the offense is coming I continue and growing. He's a, a long ways away from being where we need him to, um, but that's understandable. Uh, where he's at, this part in the spring ball, really happy with uh, what, what he's done, his work ethic, attention to detail, ability to rebound, and uh, how intentional he is in the way that he works. Uh, he's continued to get better every time that he gets on the field, which is what you want to see out of the young guys. But Nico's not the only one. Remember this name now. Tennessee fans know it already. I think the rest of the SEC are going to – they're going to learn this name this fall. Cam Selden, athlete, could be a Princeton fan-type role for the Tennessee Vols, kind of a hybrid running back, tight end, receiver, starting him out at running back. But uh, this guy can do it all was one of the top athlete prospects in the country out of Virginia. Keep hearing his name as one to watch, and it sounds like he is uh, seamlessly fitting in there to quickly becoming a playmaker in Josh Heupel's offense. What do you like what Cam Selden's given to Yeah, I just thought, thought today, um, you know, the last couple of practices have been really solid from him. He, he's ran with good pad level. He's a guy that's transitioning from playing a lot out in space to, to being at the running back position uh, really full time. Um, he's continuing to grow in his understanding how to press the, the line of scrimmage and understand how things are going to be blocked versus different fronts. Uh, he took good care of the football today. He got pad under pad. He finished plus two. Uh, a lot of positives. What can All right, last team we're going to hit on on this episode of the show. Let's kick it on down to Tuscaloosa. Nick Saban. Man, I don't know that I've ever seen him this happy before <laughs> in a press conference setting, particularly when you consider he's a, a defensive guru and all that, eyes towards the defense. But he seems head over heels with this offense under new offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. This will be music to my ears if I'm an Alabama fan. First, let's kick it over to Nick Saban discussing the running backs who they returned Jace McClellan, Roydale Williams, Jam Miller, the redshirt freshman, and the five-star incoming freshman, Justice Haynes. They got them four quality running backs in Tuscaloosa. Nick Saban sounds thrilled with this group. What have been your impressions about the running back position, the depth at that position so far? Uh, it's been great. I mean, all guys uh, have done well. Um, you know, all four guys have had really, really good springs. They're all very productive players. Um, all of those guys can contribute to the team in some ways. Um, I mean, doing really, really well. That's as long as we can stay healthy at that position. I don't think that's an issue on our team. And another name to know again, Alabama fans can be well aware of this guy, but the rest of the SEC gonna get to know this name in the fall. Malik Benson was the number one rated junior college receiver. Keep hearing rave reviews about him. And Alabama's already had, they're returning a very solid receiving core. Not up to the caliber, I would say, of some of their recent ones that have just been historically good. But that's just, who knows, that's that's me looking at what they've had and what they got coming into the season. If Malik Benson lives up to this hype and these young receivers – continue to take strides. Maybe this will be the best receiving core 
that uh, Alabama's had in recent history. Let's kick it over to Nick Saban on Malik Benson. You mentioned the, uh, the explosive plays. Just how much has Malik Benson helped out with that? Well, I think, you know, Burton made some big plays today. Um, Corey Brooks made some big plays today. Um, Benson's had a really, really good spring and uh, is capable of, you know, stretching the field and making big plays, a good all-around player. So uh, he's certainly going to help us. Isaiah Bond has had a, you know, really good spring and has done a really good job. So receiver core has developed very nicely. Uh, consistency and performance is what we need to continue to work on. And then last but not least, not a long comment here, but uh, asked about Tommy Reese, how that's all going. Nick Saban sounds incredibly pleased by the, with his new offensive coordinator. As you're working the new offense and with Tommy, or kind of what he's able to bring to the table, how do you evaluate, you know, what he can do today in a scrimmage or how he's running that? Offense was great today. You know, Tommy does a great job with the players. Players like him. Um, he's taken our system and, you know, pretty much um, using our system that we used, added some things to it. Um, I think, you know, the offensive line is doing a good job. Uh, we got fewer multiples in terms of how we can run the ball. Uh, does a really good job with formations and how to use formations to create advantages for, you know, us on offense. So uh, I'm really pleased with what we've been able to do on that side of the ball and how we've developed. Ooh. <laughs> so like I said, I can't remember Nick Saban ever being this pleased with uh, something in the spring. So, hey. Maybe it doesn't matter who wins the quarterback job. Moral of the story, they are going to be surrounded by talent in an offensive system that Nick Saban loves the direction of this spring in Tuscaloosa. It's never wise to sleep on the Crimson Tide. And if that offense takes some strides with all these new pieces and a new starting quarterback, new offensive coordinator, no reason Alabama can't return to the top be an SEC national champion once again. But hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. I uh, got some more ideas that uh, I think are going to be pretty good that'll keep uh, you guys engaged this spring. We got tons of spring games. We got like six, seven spring games on Saturday. So I'm going to try to do something special for that. Maybe I'll announce details around that a little bit later. But uh, hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. We'll catch you on the next one. Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast, Hail State.